So we are wrapping up this series today, uh, the book of Isaiah. We have spent uh, the last several weeks uh, studying it, and, and we uh, again have spent seven weeks and, and realized, if, if you probably realized along with me as I've been preparing and, and preaching these, that, that we uh, probably could have spent weeks and weeks and weeks in the book of Isaiah. Right? There is so much to cover, there is so much that is uh, shared and talked about, um, but yet we uh, are going to wrap it up today. And so we started here uh, seven weeks ago with the very first verse of Isaiah, which is where we're going to see uh, in verse 1-1, where it says, These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Here we see that Isaiah uh, is a prophet. Meaning he heard these messages from God, uh, and, and his role as a prophet was then to deliver those messages to their, its intended audience. And, and we see here that, again, during this time of Isaiah, that this was the divided kingdom of, of Israel. And, and so we see Judah and Jerusalem are listed separately, but the, the, the again, demographic or audience of these messages was to the entire nation. And, and we also see that, uh, again, through the kings that are listed, that Isaiah had a, uh, several years of, of ministry in this role, that, that it was about just over 40 years that uh, we believe he was an active prophet right, to Israel, which was a long tenure. As we have studied his writings and, and all the different messages that he gave, we have seen that Isaiah is a complex weave of stories, judgments, victories, and, and future predictions. It also has a lot of different literary forms within the book. There's poetry, there is narrative, there are historical records, among others. You remember in week one, we, we started with Isaiah chapter one. It gives us an overview and outline of the entire book of Isaiah. And it presents some very challenging perspectives. And then through the, the, the following weeks, we've dove deeper into these different topics. On weeks two, three, and four, we we looked at the first major section of the book of Isaiah, chapters 2 through 39. And then in weeks 5 and 6, and today as we wrap up, we are looking into the second major section of the book in chapters 40 through 55, which covers the time that Israel was in exile. And the final section of the book, uh, the last 10 chapters, verse, chapters 56 through 66, cover Israel's return back to the into the promised land, and as God rebuilds that nation, and, and yet we aren't even going to touch that section. Now, as we have studied over these past several weeks, we, you have recognized that this has been a quick flyover of Isaiah. There is a lot within the book that we have not covered. And my intention with this series was to address the significance of Isaiah and the overall biblical narrative. Uh, something that I think we've seen and how much it's been quoted and, and these famous passages that we've hit. But also, we have seen how relevant this writing is to our current landscape. It was written over 2,500 years ago, and yet there are so many parallels that are very obvious to our world today. Which this speaks to how big God is and how much we need him in our lives as much today as we ever have. And as we wrap up today, I want to kind of bookend this series with, um, with his, these personal connections and personal remarks we hear from Isaiah. 
Like we started in week two as we looked at Isaiah chapter six, had this very personal experience that he, he had with God in this vision, right, where, where God calls him as a prophet. And, and again, this, we dove deep into that in week two about this vision in Isaiah chapter six. And now today we're going to take a, a look again at this very personal, these personal words of Isaiah. And so we're going to start uh, with Isaiah chapter 49, and then we're going to skip down to Isaiah chapter 50, verses 40 through 11. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Isaiah chapter 49. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. And you'll notice the page numbers there where you can find this passage in those Bibles. Um, if you're with us online, hopefully you have a Bible next to you, you can follow along. If not, uh, you can just listen as I read it, but we're going to be here to Isaiah 49, where it's going to start with verse 1, where it says, Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword, and he has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, says to the one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is the servant of rulers, kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will also bow low because of the Lord, the faithful one, the one, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And we're going to skip down into 50, uh, picking up at verse 4. So chapter 50, verse 4. Where it continues to say, it says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. He who gives me justice is near. Who, who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been, been eaten by moths. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torments. Now, as we read these very personal words of Isaiah, and we see here that as he speaks up and kind of defends himself in a lot of ways, and, and if we remember back in chapter 6, Isaiah was given a very specific call and task, right, to go for God and to give messages. And, and when God called him as a prophet and gave him this, this 
job, this calling on his life, God also told him the truth at the very beginning. He told him this was not going to be an easy task. God told him that people were not going to listen to him, that they were going to, in fact, be angry at the messages he would bring. Right? That, that according to, to all traditional ways, right, that, that he um, would not be accepted and he would fail at this job right? because people would have a hard heart and a closed mind to what God wanted to tell them. And, and, and here we see Isaiah gives us the, this picture of what a fully surrendered servant of God will do. Because he knew he had a hard road. He knew that he was not going to be very successful at this job. But yet, he was fully surrendered. And he was faithful to his call. And he successfully fulfilled the role that God had put him in, in his plan. And so let's, let's look here this morning from, from these passages we've read of, of what a fully surrendered servant looks like. Okay, first we learn from Isaiah that a fully surrendered servant lets God define the win. A fully surrendered servant lets God define the win. Now, when we think about winning, right, it's pretty obvious, most of the time it's pretty obvious what the win is. It's winning, right? You go into a game or a sports competition or whatever it might be, right, is that we know the winner, the person with the most scores, right, with, or whatever it would be, the most successful at that competition is the winner. Now, I will admit, I am a pretty competitive person. I like to win. Hey, in fact, uh, in that, thinking about, you know, winning, losing, right, second place is just the first loser. Winning is more fun. Right? I like to win. I'm a self-admitted competitive person. And I will say, as I watch my kids and my boys, especially my boys, they, they also are just like me. They are very competitive, right? And they like to win. Hey, now, as we see that, right, we know the clear win. I mean, you go into those situations, right? I go into a golf tournament, I know the, who the winner is, right? But the wins are not always that obvious, Right? There are other things, not, maybe it's even in sports, right? where, where you might have a win, but, but you're not the winner. An example, right? you can go into a sports experience, competition, maybe your team might lose, but you might play really well. Right? You might have a personal best right? and, on a round and still lose the tournament, but, but there are smaller wins. Right? And we can redefine those wins, not, not just in sports, but in life, in general, in your faith, in your family, in your career, in your, in your neighborhood, in your community. Right there, there are lots of wins to be found. And a fully surrendered servant lets God define that win. Right? God is, can decide right, when we have been successful. There are a lot of ways to define the win. We see Isaiah here in 49 verse 4, where he says, But I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet, I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. Again, Isaiah is showing us, he's like, according to the world standard, he was a failure as a prophet. Right? The people didn't follow what he said. They didn't believe him, right? They, they didn't change because of, of the messages of judgment, right? And a call to, to, to correction, and they didn't change anything. 
Instead, they were conquered and exiled. That according to the world's definition, Isaiah was a failure, but yet he knew, right, that, that even though he got, would sometimes feel discouraged, right, he, he wasn't the winner, he was probably the first loser, Right? He says, you know, my work seems so useless. I've, I spend my strength for nothing, for no purpose. Yet, I will leave it in the Lord's hand. He let God define the win. Right? Now, we can look again at Isaiah's life and, and see he struggled through lots of things, right? But, but yet, Isaiah knew that the real win was fulfilling what God had told him to do. And in that, he was very successful. Right? The win was, being, was fulfilling what God had told him to do. And he left the results up to God. And you do what God calls you to do. And if you're faithful to that call and you're going to do what God needs you to do, then that is a win. Right? You've done everything that you need to do. And then we leave the results up to God. Now again, like I said, this is true in, in lots of different things, but it's especially true in our faith. Right? It's, it's, again, are you just being faithful? Faithful and fulfilling what God's telling you to do now. What's the next step in your journey? Take that step. That's a win. Even when we think about uh, uh, you know, our faith journey, one of the things that we do, one of the things that we're all called to do as followers of Jesus is to spread the message of the gospel. Right? To, to help invite other people into a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ and a saving knowledge of him. Now, when we think about evangelism, one of the reasons that we oftentimes, as Christians, don't want to evangelize is because we feel like we're going to be a failure, right? That we're going to invite somebody to church, right? And they're just, they're not going to come. And if they do come, right, that they come, that they're not going to like the music, or they're not going to like the preaching, or, or they're going to feel uncomfortable, or, or again, they'll maybe just come once or twice and then never come back. And, and we have this in our mind, right, that if those things happen, that we are a failure, and so we never share our faith. But I will tell you is that that is a lie. Right? That's not the right win. Right? Them being saved is not up to you. Because the reality is you can't save anybody. Right? And neither can I. Right? Only God can save. God is not calling us as followers of Jesus to save people. That is not our job. That is God's job. Right? Our job as believers is to show them who Jesus is, is to invite them into a relationship with God. And that can happen through bringing them to church, right, or, or, um, or bringing them to a barbecue, right, or, or whatever it might be. It might even just the spiritual conversation across the fence, right, and that is the win, right? Let God define that win. A fully surrendered servant lets God define what the real win is. Also, we learn from Isaiah that a fully surrendered servant knows the plan is bigger than they can see. Again, the plan for that person might not be for you to lead them to Christ, just for you to plant the seed. Right? God's plan might be way bigger than that. You have no idea. Right? As, as we as we understand that, right, that God's plan is bigger than we can ever see. In fact, we, we, we read that in Isaiah, right? God's ways are bigger than our ways. His thoughts are bigger than our thoughts. We read that passage last week. Right, and yet we, we know, right, that, that God's plan is way bigger than I can see. 
Again, Isaiah shares with us in 49 verse 6. He says, the Lord says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Again, Isaiah felt like a failure many times. I mean, he admitted it in this passage. And yet he had no idea that that we would be studying his writings 2,500 years later. That's way bigger than Isaiah probably ever imagined. But again, that his message would, would go to the ends of the earth. Right? Isaiah probably had no idea that his writings would be quoted so much in Scripture. That's kind of one of the things we've seen through this study, right? That Isaiah is all throughout Scripture. The Old Testament prophets, especially the New Testament letters, quote Isaiah a lot. You've probably noticed there are some very familiar passages that we've read. God's plan is way bigger than we can see. As a surrendered servant, we, we let God define the win. We know that God's plan is, is way bigger than we can see. And, and then we let all those little wins add up, and, and God gives us some glimpses of that bigger plan, doesn't he? Right, which is awesome when that happens, and we celebrate that, but yet we also know that, that the plan's even bigger than that, right? That, that God's way bigger than that. And we know, again, that as we move forward in our plan, we also know that a fully surrendered servant is equipped by God. You are equipped by God to fulfill the role that he needs you to fill. Hey, God will not give you a job to do and not give you the resources to accomplish it. Hey, in fact, God made you the way you are on purpose. He gave you your personality your abilities, your interests. He made you the way you are. And that's exactly what Isaiah said in this passage, right? He knit me in my womb, in, in my mother's womb, to accomplish this role. And he did the same for you. Right? And he has equipped you to, to fulfill what he needs you to do. Right? Which means right, that, that if what God has you to do, you will like what God wants you to do. You will enjoy it. Again, it's kind of one of the the, the weird things about Christian culture, right, is, is, is if we think that we fully surrender to God, that, that he's going to send us off to some, like, you know, foreign country, and we're going to be hated, and we're going to be miserable, right? And that's just not true. Are you gonna, if God does send you to, to Africa as a missionary, it's going to be because you want to go, because God has equipped you for what he needs you to do. Right now, not only does he equip us from the very beginning, right, in, the, in our personality, our abilities, our interests, but, but he also gives every believer spiritual gifts. And it's one of the things we dive deeper into in Journey Class 3, and we look at spiritual gifts, and what are they, and why do we get them, and, and how are they given. But, but again, we learn it there that gifts are given by God. He's the one who decides who gets which gift, and he also decides when. Right? And God, all of the spiritual gifts are at his, his disposal, and he can give you a gift that you need in that moment because he will equip you through his Holy Spirit. You see, Isaiah tells us in 50 verse 4, he says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Right? Every day, God told Isaiah what he needed to do that day. Morning by morning. 
right? And God had equipped him, right? And he, he says this very specifically. He says, I know how to comfort the weary. I mean, that's a very specific thing. Can we, yeah, as, as we studied Isaiah's life and his writings, we, we understand how, does, how he knows how to comfort the weary, right? He knows how to comfort the weary because he himself has experienced those weary times and God has brought him through. Right? God has equipped Isaiah to know how to comfort those who need comfort during weary times because he has had a lot of weary times. And yet he's found encouragement through his faith. Again, God has equipped you to fulfill a certain role. And this world is full of evil and is full of hurt and full of pain. And, and even as we look at Isaiah's life, right, he was, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he, was, he had some very hard times, and he was never listened to, and, and, and yet God will never waste a hurt. Okay, God doesn't cause them, we live in a fallen world, but God will not waste it. He will certainly use it. Right, and God has equipped you for a certain role that you can fulfill that other people can't. Not just through your personality and through your, but also through your experiences. Again, as we look, even as a pastor, as I want to be a pastor for people and walk them through hard times and, and guide them in that, like, I, I mean, I'll be with you, right? If you're going, example, through battling a cancer, through cancer treatments, but I, I can't comfort you through cancer treatment the way that some of you guys can because I've never been through cancer and some of you guys have right, and you know what it's like again you can fulfill that better than I can right because God won't waste that pain now to say again I, I can walk as Maureen and I walk through the, our adoption journey I can help somebody through adoption you know a lot better than I can help them through some other things because that's been a part of our experience and God won't waste that. Right? God will not waste any pain or hurts. God can use it to draw people to him. A fully surrendered servant keeps going no matter what. A fully surrendered servant keeps going no matter what. One thing we've certainly learned from Isaiah is that this, this journey is not easy, but it is absolutely worth it. All right, the journey of faith is not easy. Isaiah's journey was not easy, but it is absolutely worth it. Most things that have a positive long-term gain are hard in the short term. Right, most things that have a, a positive long-term gain are hard in the short term. Okay, and the opposite is also true. Right, things that are easy in the short term often have a negative long-term effect. Okay, this is a concept that is true in many things in our world. Again, positive long-term game, hard in the short term. Easy, comfortable in the short term, typically bring a negative long-term effect. Okay, this is true financially. It's not easy to live on less than you make, right? To, to stick to the plan, to invest over time. Right? It's not easy to do that, but it brings a long-term gain. Again, it is easy, right, to, to just have no plan and spend what you have, right, and 
and be comfortable in the moment, right? But it, it's not, does not play out well long term financially. Right? The same is true not just financially, but also physically. Right? Uh, eating right, working out, consistently, you know, taking care of your body, it's hard in the short term, right? But it yields long term gains. Again, the comfortable thing is to have another cookie. Right, the easy thing is to have a second piece of cake. But it won't always, you know, yield long-term health. It's true relationally. Right? It's hard in the short term to, to confront somebody, to have the hard conversation, to, to actually solve problems. Right? The easy thing to do in the short term is to sweep it under the rug, to ignore it. Right? But it does not yield long-term gain. Right? It, it, it will be worse later. Right? The uncomfortable conversation, the hard thing in the short term, is yields a far better, deeper, more quality long-term relationship if you deal with the problems up front when they happen. Right? It's, it's true financially, it's true physically, it's true relationally, and the same is true spiritually. It's not easy to take a step forward in my journey every day, to consistently read his word, to, to have a, a, a prayer life and to talk with God every day, to, to trust when I can't see the big picture, to, to do all that, to take those steps forward in my faith. That's not easy or comfortable, but it, it produces a good long-term gain. Right, the, the, the easy, comfortable thing in the short term, right, is to blow off church and go have fun and do something else, right, to, to not, not make God a priority, whatever, right? I mean, but it does not yield long-term growth. What's, what yields long-term positive gain is hard in the short term, and a fully surrendered servant keeps going. The journey isn't easy, but it is worth it. Again, Isaiah shares in 50 verse 7, he says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone and determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. This is a long-term mentality, not a short-term one, right? Because the short-term for Isaiah was pretty miserable. Right? But he yielded the long-term gain. Even in the midst of injustice, when it seems that the bad guys always win... Right? And the good guy never gets ahead. We keep going. Isaiah 50, verse 9. He says, see, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Again, this is a long-term mentality because there were lots of people in Isaiah's life that declared him guilty in the short term. Right? But I, what Isaiah knew, what we also know, we can, we can read the end of the book. God wins. Right? And Isaiah knew that. We know that, right? So we keep going. Fully surrendered servant keeps going no matter what. As we look at this, we know that, right? Again, in the end, God wins. Right? Which means we are faced with the same choice that Isaiah was faced with over and over again. Everyone is faced with the ultimate choice to live for God or to live for yourself. 
It's hard in the short term, but it is, it yields really good eternal gains. Everyone is faced with a choice. Again, this choice that, that Isaiah lays out here in verses 10 and 11. He says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will see from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. We are all faced with the same choice. Are we going to live for God? Or are we going to live for ourselves? Are we going to go by his light or are we going to create our own light? And again, that's not the core of the gospel message is that you cannot save yourself. The end has already been determined, but yet we have a choice to make. Are we going to serve God or are we not? And we have this choice because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Right Now, Isaiah also knew that. Right? And, but yet for him, it was, moving, it was a forward perspective to the coming Messiah. In fact, he wrote this, some of these prophecies about the coming Messiah, and he was moving forward to him. For us, we look backwards at it. We can look backwards at the cross and see how accurate Isaiah was. Like what we see here, right, is, again, we had this choice because of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And this passage here, Isaiah 52 through 53, 12 is one of the most vivid descriptions of Jesus in all of Scripture that was written hundreds of years before he was born. We're going to read it. Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away, yet we have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for our sin, he will have many descendants. 
He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Again, this is an incredibly vivid description of Jesus. Written hundreds of years before he was born. Again, we have a choice because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate example of what a fully surrendered servant looks like. Isaiah gives us an example. Jesus is the ultimate example. Right? And we see that description here of what Jesus accomplished. That he was crushed so we could live. He stepped in our place to pay for our sins. And then Isaiah goes in in chapter 55. Okay, and after we see now we've been saved through Christ, then he, he gives us this some foundational truths of what a life with God will look like. Now, I encourage you to go back this next week and to read Isaiah 55, 1 through 13, because we don't have time to read it today. Okay, and if you're following along the outline, you'll notice, right, that we still, there's a lot of fill-ins left. Okay, so I'm going to give them to you quickly, because we're not going to be able to read, we don't have time to read the passage. This is where they come, so if you're filling them in, get ready. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Here are the foundational truths about what a life with God is. Okay, first off, is that, is that God has already paid the price for your salvation. Okay, verse 1 says that it's free. Anyone can drink. Okay, now, again, salvation is free, but it was not cheap. Okay, we just read the price that was paid for your salvation. God has already paid the price of your salvation, so my response is to come and drink. Drink in your salvation. Verse 2 tells us that God will provide exactly what you need. And so my response is to eat and enjoy. Enjoy God's provision. Verses 3 through 5 tells us that God will bring purpose into your life. So then my response to that is, is to listen and find true life. You listen to God's purpose for you. Verses 6 and 7 tell us that God will change your ways. And so my response to that is to seek those ways and find. Find who God is and let him change your ways. Verses 8 and 9 tell us that God will bring a bigger perspective into your life. And so my response to that is to trust his plan. God brings a bigger perspective, so I will trust his plan. Verses 10 and 11 tells us that God's word will prosper. In fact, in verse 11, the, the, the King James version of verse 11 says that God's word will never return void. And that's an awesome description of the power of God's word. Right? That God's word will prosper, and so my response to that is to receive it. Receive his truth. God tells us in, in verse 12 that, 
that he's worthy of all praise, right? That he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my worship, right? And so my response is to live in the joy and peace that he brings, right? To in those praises. And then verse 13 tells us that the life with God means that he will transform you. Again, God loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you enough to not leave you the same. He will transform you. And so my response to that is to bring honor to the Lord's name, to give God credit when he deserves it. Because he's the one that's changing you. We started this series, again, looking at Isaiah's very personal call in Isaiah 6, 8, when he heard the Lord say, whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go? And Isaiah responded, here I am, send me. And Isaiah made the choice to surrender himself to God and to fulfill his role that God has put him in. And as I said, we are all faced with that same choice. Will we surrender ourselves to God through salvation? Will we join the journey of faith? Pray and accept him as your savior. And then will we accept his call into our lives because he's created you created you for a purpose? Will you move forward in your faith once you are saved? Right? Will you move forward every day? Will you fulfill everything he's equipped you to do? Again, I don't know what your journey looks like. Your journey is different than anybody else's journey. But it starts with receiving Christ as your Savior and then surrendering yourself to his will every single day. Morning by morning, I learn his will. Which brings me to my final thought today, and that is this. Isaiah played a significant role in God's plan as a prophet, a biblical author, and an example to follow. Will you join the journey of faith, be faithful to your call, and fulfill your role in God's plan, because God has a plan for you and a role he needs you to fulfill. If you're still breathing, your journey's not over, and you have more to accomplish for God. And yeah, will you continue to move forward in your faith and your journey? Take the next step. The next step might be for you to pray, receive Christ your Savior for the first time. Maybe it's to rededicate your life. Maybe it's to just commit to the, whatever the next step is that God's telling you to do. Maybe it's just to praise him for all he's done. But whatever the next step is, take the next step today. Lord God, we thank you that you have set the table for us. God, that you cleared a way of salvation. God, that you saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. And we thank you for that. But God, you also have set the table of blessing for us, God, to fulfill the role you need us to fulfill. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would live out our faith every day. We would take a step closer to you, step forward in our journey. God, and that through that, we would show this world who you really are. Lord, that may your light shine through us. God, continue to guide us, to lead us as we live out our faith every day and as we show this world who you are and as we share the joy that we have Lord, and invite them to come eat too. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.